Hey, this is Anna Hacker from Australian Unity, and this is a podcast that will get you thinking about what happens after you die. Sounds morbid, right? But as a lawyer, my experience has shown me that most of us are unprepared. Throughout this series, I'll be joined by a variety of experts, and we'll be exploring what happens to your business, your wealth, kids, things, and even your body. Today, I'll be joined by Ryan Francis from Australian Unity's Life and Super Business. You can't pick up a paper today without reading about intergenerational wealth transfer. Ryan's here today to talk about some strategies that we should all know far more about than we do. So thank you so much for joining me today, Ryan. Um, I am really excited to talk about something other than just wills and and powers of attorney, but but something else that people can try to do to minimise the chance of there being a potential challenge in their estate, looking at what their sort of estate planning needs are, and something a little bit outside of the box. So that's a, I don't know, hopefully a little bit of an piqued people's interests as they're listening to to me saying that introduction but would you like to introduce yourself and 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 maybe give an intro to the topic that you're wanting to talk about today yeah look thanks for having me anna uh ryan francis so uh colleague of anna's in australian unity uh work in the life and super business which uh manages investment bonds and funeral bonds Um, So they're a a tax-structured investment product that can have some unique estate planning or or wealth transfer uh, advantages to them. Uh, Been with Australian Uni for almost seven years now. Um, I think we're very similar there, Ryan. I think we've both been here for almost the exact, very similar amount of time. Perfect. Perfect. Same tenure. So, yeah, look, I've known Anna for for quite a while. Um, I've always worked in financial services, um, so I've worked as a financial advisor prior to coming to Australian Unity as a business development manager and now I sit in the commercial manager role within the, the life and super business. Um, so yeah, look, a lot of experience in the financial services sector and uh, particularly investment bond space. But really what I wanted to talk about today is, is what is an investment bond and how can it be a, a tool in uh, in the toolkit for estate planning or wealth transfer and the sort of situations where it may be the best tool to help transfer wealth um, between parties. Yeah, and there might be some people listening, there might be some audience, um, you know, some listeners who are thinking, I've never even heard of this. And then there might be some lawyers thinking, wait, are you trying to do me out of a job here? So I think as a lawyer, I want to calm everyone to say, this is, as you said, part of the toolkit. This is something that I think it's really important that we all are very, very aware of, because if there is the perfect solution for an investment bond, why not use it? It's a great tool to try to do things that in some ways we we sometimes can't do in estate planning when we're talking about writing a will or or creating structures for clients and it's just something else you need to actually be aware of because there might be a missed opportunity here and I guess that that's something that will be really important I think for listeners to understand what exactly is an investment bond yeah look that that's a a perfect segue there Anna Um, it's not going to do lawyers out of a job first of all oh that's Um, good to hear Ryan you can can stay as a guest then today (laughs) (laughs) much like superannuation for example um can be used to transfer wealth it's very unlikely you're going to get your whole estate into superannuation though so there's a there's typically always going to be some estate to be to be dealt with um and still a need for a will and, and so on um 
but they can be a useful tool. So, so what is an investment bond? Um, I mentioned superannuation previously. Uh, I often try and describe it relating it to something that a lot of people know and are familiar with that they have, which is their superannuation account. So the superannuation is, is just a tax structure that your employer in your working life makes contributions to for you. It's invested for the purpose of retirement and it's taxed inside that structure. Um, an investment bond is very similar. It's an insurance contract at the end of the day, but it's a structure that you can invest in. So you can choose several different investment options. You can regularly contribute to it, with the view to build that up over time. And it's taxed internally. So it pays tax um, rather than you having to declare the earnings on your personal tax return. Um, and it pays tax at a, a rate of 30% corporate tax rate. It all sounds um, very neat there, Ryan. I think that this is something that we're probably going to have a lot of interest from listeners. And I, I want to be really clear, we're going to have a lot of things in the show notes so you can read up more about investment bonds. You don't have to um, be furiously taking notes, but um, that it just sounds like a, a perfect little package, I guess, to, to, to have in the toolkit for advisors, for lawyers to know, to talk to clients about, but obviously not give financial advice about, and for listeners to to know that there are other things out there. You don't just have to go down one path when it comes to estate planning. There's lots of different options out there for trying to make sure that you can achieve the outcome that you want when it comes to estate planning. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and how an investment bond fits into, into that piece is much like superannuation. You can nominate a beneficiary on your super and generally have it paid outside of your estate to that beneficiary, obviously assuming that they fit the definition of what can be a superannuation beneficiary. Um, I mentioned earlier an investment bond is an insurance contract. So it falls under the, the same legislation that your, your normal life insurance policy would. Um, so you can, if you're the owner and life insured on that, you can nominate a third-party beneficiary and you can have those um, assets paid to that beneficiary upon death outside of your estate. So it's actually enshrined in the insurance contract law for for the keen listeners that, that want to know. <laughs> it's section 48A. Um, but it gives some, some real basis to why it works and why it can be um, used to transfer wealth outside of an estate. Um, so we, we often see it used... Um, particularly with financial advisors, where the, the leading objective for the client is transferring wealth to people and reducing the risk of challenges to an estate. And I think that that's probably an important point then to have a bit of a disclaimer. And I know that whenever you and I speak about investment bonds and, and them being used as a vehicle to attempt to ensure that assets go to the beneficiary that someone wants them to go to we always have to have a disclaimer around in New South Wales it might be slightly different but that's why there's the importance of, mm -hmm. of getting advice because you need advice for your own individual circumstances I'm sure this episode will have all sorts of disclaimers all around it saying that but in New South Wales there's a thing called notional estates we've talked about it in some of the other episodes and it, it's essentially a clawback where if someone tries to circumvent an estate to try and um, reduce or, or prevent a challenge from occurring um, by basically doing the best advice, which is having nothing in your estate when you die to be challenged, it, it can kind of 
get around it. So notional estates in New South Wales is something that can be really complex. We're definitely not going to get into detail here, but it is definitely a bit of a disclaimer to say if you're in New South Wales, please get advice about um, investment bonds and whether it is the right vehicle for you. But that's the same for all estate planning, because to be honest, in New South Wales, notional estates kind of makes it a little bit hard to prevent a challenge. This um, is something that can be in that toolkit, and I think it's worth looking at. But for the other states who don't have notional estates, or at least don't have notional estates yet, there's certainly pushes in some of the other states to have notional estates brought Mm -hmm. in. But it, it is a really useful way of circumventing the estate and and saying, I want to make sure that these beneficiaries actually are going to benefit in the way that I want them to, which is not something that that lawyers can even say, because in the end, a will can be challenged. A lot of other structures can be challenged. Um, An investment bond, and correct me if I'm um, wrong, Ryan, but it, it can basically ensure that those beneficiaries will benefit in the way that you want them to benefit. Yeah, look, that's exactly right, Anna. Um, a very good point about national estate in New South Wales. We, we always bring that up and, and make sure that the advisors we deal with are very aware of that. Um, clients and any clients seminars are aware. So, yeah, key takeaway there is get your advisor and your estate planning lawyer together um, and have them talk about your whole estate, your investments and everything there. Make sure that something your advisor is implementing is, is not going to undo something that the always implementing um but yeah look back to how an investment bond can can avoid a challenge the devil's in the detail here um so again making sure you get advice on your personal situation is very important because how you set up your investment bond and and nominate beneficiaries is, is crucially important uh, i mentioned before that it is an insurance contract so like with a normal life insurance contract, there's three parties to this, if you like. There's an owner of the contract, there's a life insured, and then there's a beneficiary. Now, the owner can be a natural person, could be a trust, so a family trust could own a bond, could be a company. Um, so, yeah, several, several different um, entities that could own a bond there. The life insured must always be a natural person, and then the beneficiary could be a natural person, could be a trust, uh, for example, as well. Where you can structure it to fall outside of the estate is if the owner and life insured are the same person, you can then nominate a beneficiary and have those assets paid to that third party beneficiary outside of the estate. So that's that section of the Insurance Contract Act that I mentioned before. So it's quite clear. Uh, in the legislation there actually says if the third-party beneficiary is not life insured, any money paid to the third-party beneficiary under the contract does not form part of the estate of the life insured. So it's it's quite clear there, actually. Um, so where we see it used is, I mean, there's several examples I can think of. One that, one that springs to mind um, from a few years back with a financial advisor I was dealing with, they had a client. Um, there was actually the executor of their, their mother's estate um, and there was a challenge from a sibling there. So they'd been through that process of, um, of an estate being challenged and how painful it can be and, and the arguments that, uh, that start. And, the, um, and how costly it can be. How costly, I'm yeah. sure, 
that's a, yep. a big issue for people, isn't it? Um, yep. Ends up getting you know fair chunks of the estate eroded in some cases. Yeah. Um, so yeah, never a good thing. No one. No one wins other than mm. uh, typically lawyers. I was going to say, I know what you're about to say next, Ryan. And I think we say the same thing, you know, that th- this is a, a case where the only outcome is that the lawyers are probably going to um, to make a lot of money. But, you know, this is, I guess, the the un- unfortunate outcome of a state litigation. That That's what happens, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah. what you're telling me is that this is a way lawyers cannot make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, I know you, you don't want to. I've listened to one of your previous podcasts where you, you talked a client out of challenging an estate. Um, I think it was the, one out of 20 years of clients. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because of uh, what it could do. But anyway, this client, they'd been in that situation and, and their health was, was starting to decline. Uh, had some assets that they wanted to go to the three children but were quite concerned about extended family trying to challenge the estate. They may not have grounds to, may not even be successful, um, but if they, they want, if they could avoid that even being a question, um, that's something that they wanted to do. Yeah, the peace of mind of knowing that they've structured it properly is, is so important for people. And so exactly. I can absolutely see that that peace of mind would be critical in that sort of a situation when they've already gone through the trauma of a state litigation. Yeah, exactly. So they were able to establish an investment bond. Um, there was a few million dollars in it and nominate the three children as uh, beneficiaries on that investment bond. So when they pass away, uh, we'll pay paid out to those beneficiaries, typically within a, a couple of weeks. Wow, a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's that's something we often wouldn't hear in a state administration in general because normally you have to wait for for the grant of probate to be issued or letters of administration. But um, obviously, as Ryan's saying, this is outside of the estate and that's the really critical thing. That's why it can't be challenged because it's not actually an asset that forms part of the estate here unless it's a notional estate in New South Wales. But it, it means that it doesn't need to wait for a grant of probate. I'm assuming it probably needs to wait for something like a death certificate because you didn't want, wouldn't want to pay out to someone who actually they hadn't passed away. But, exactly. um, but, but that's probably about all that it needs to wait for. So I'm sure that that is also peace of mind for people wondering, how are my family, how are my loved ones going to survive financially? So I'm sure that that's also um, something in people's minds about, well, if they don't have to wait for probate, and I've heard that that can take, you know, even two, three months just to get probate, and then it takes another six months or 12 months to administer an estate. This is actually a way that, aside from the, the challenge component, this is a way that you can have your beneficiaries benefiting really early from your estate, far earlier than in most other cases. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I'll, I'll preface the couple of weeks with uh, you're, you're exactly right. We won't right. hold you to that, Ryan. Death, death certificate <laughs> is the key there. Um, so if there's quite a delay in getting a death certificate, we're obviously not going to be able to pay out the, the death beneficiary, uh, benefit to those beneficiaries. Um, yep. But once we've received that, it's yeah, usually within a couple of weeks. Um, now that's nominating a beneficiary to receive a lump sum there. There's also an added feature, um, particularly with our product, uh, that offers the investor the ability to put some control around how that benefit is received. So we call that our wealth preserver feature. So you can go a step further 
um, and even say, okay, I want this beneficiary maybe to get half of whatever my investment bond value is, but I don't want them to get a whole lump sum. I want them maybe to get some as a lump sum and then an income payment each year after that. Um, so you can have like a pseudo-testamentary trust, if you like, there and, and slowly drip feed that money out to beneficiaries. Um, so that's a feature that we see clients are really gravitating towards um, in situations where they, they have concerns around a beneficiary getting a large lump sum upon death. Maybe um, you know, I've seen the situation where they're concerned around that beneficiaries, maybe a bit of a spendthrift and they don't want it to be blown um, straight away. So they'll slowly drip feed it out. Um, I've seen the case of a client with the view, you'll get it how I say you'll get it. Yeah, um, I was going to say, <laughs> ruling from the grave is coming to mind here, and that's that's a really common um, conversation we as estate planning lawyers have to have with clients is to say, there's only so much you can do to try and rule from the grave. There's really only yeah. two ways, to be honest. There's super, mm -hmm. if you have a valid binding death benefit nomination that forces the super in one place, um, yep. Even if you have, and a lot of people advertise and you see it all over the place, legally valid will, well, that just doesn't really mean anything other than the will is valid. It can still be challenged. And yep. the other is, is essentially um, an investment bond type structure. That is a way to rule from the grave, which um, mm -hmm. is, is something that can be very important to people, particularly in those situations you've just talked about. They've got a really vulnerable yeah. beneficiary. They're concerned, yep. what's going to happen when I'm not here and I can't? monitor um, how the the spending is going and 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 we've actually even put this in um, in exactly the scenario you're talking about a spendthrift where um, the trustee company so Australian trustees has been the trustee to manage the money but the way they've invested it is in an investment bond because that's a really simple straightforward structure that allows the money to to essentially trickle out it makes it a really simple um, way of monitoring what's going on and it and it's protected so it's actually a really useful um device in, in many 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 ways yeah and that's that's a perfect segue to uh i mentioned before it could be structured like a pseudo-testamentary trust um, the wealth preserver feature in that respect can be quite rigid when you sit set a amount to be paid out each year for example you might say they'll get ten thousand dollars a year for example that can't be changed after the original investor has died. The beneficiary could say, I don't want to receive that whole amount and that could lower the payment they receive, but they can't go above that. Um, so you can see situations and I can, I can think of examples where I've sat with advisors where there's um, one that springs to mind was a significant amount of money that was going to be left to a grandchild. It was quite a, Quite a horrific um, family situation. Um, both parents had passed away and a grandmother wanting to leave money to this grandchild. And the advisor had thought of an investment bond and potentially wealth preserver. And once we sat down and really talked about the situation, this grandchild was quite young. Um, ultimately, I said to the advisor, Look, I think this is just going to be a bit too rigid for what you need. You probably need to, to sit down with an estate planning lawyer and establish a testamentary trust where there's either a family member as a trustee or a professional trustee, something that's going to give a little more discretion to the trustee to up and down payments as they're needed, um, fund education, 
potentially of differing amounts. So it's not going to solve every problem is, I guess, what I'm trying to get at there. Mm. Um, but for those situations where, yep, I know how much I want to go to them each year and I don't want that to change, um, it can be the perfect perfect situation or perfect vehicle to solve that situation. And it definitely brings to mind the really traditional annuities that people used to do in wills. So it mm. used to say, I'd like to give, um, you know, my spouse an annuity for the rest of her life of, um, you know, $10,000 a year or $20,000 or whatever it might. That sounds really low, actually, as I'm saying it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, whatever amount it is, it's this constant stream of um, income coming out and it is um, the, the same amount. And for an adult, that, that makes sense, as you said, but perhaps for a child there's different things, um, different structures that can be put in place. Mm. And that's, I think, what I like about the approach that most people do in this, this area is these are things in your toolkit. So tr yeah. testamentary trusts are one, investment bonds are another, um, trying to not have anything in your name when you die is another. You know, there's all sorts of things to, to have in the toolkit and it, the, the key is, though, you need to know about all of them. And so I rem still remember the first time I found out about investment bonds and it blew my mind a little bit as a quite junior lawyer. I thought, how are we not doing these all the time? Because they, um, they, they sound like they're just this magical thing that solves all of these, these potential challenges to a state. So I guess um, we've talked about the situations they're really good for and the ones that maybe it's not appropriate because maybe it, it's not... Um, we need some more flexibility in how much money comes out. But are there yeah. situations when people say, well, maybe it isn't the right structure for me, um, obviously with advice, critically, but um, maybe some misconceptions as well. What is it that people think it can do and it actually can't? Um, or as I said, it's this magical thing that I've always um, thought of, you know, we need to probably see a little bit more of. Yeah, look. There's certainly those situations where you want more flexibility in payouts to to, um, to beneficiaries is an area where it's probably not going to solve what you're looking for. Um, but like you just said, if it's a testamentary trust that becomes the suitable option there um, and there's large amounts of assets, bonds being held in a testamentary trust, um, so once the estate's been administered and money transferred to that testamentary trust. I, I mentioned before there's an owner to a bond that can be a trust. So a testamentary trust could own a bond to help trickle money out, solve potential tax problems um, that beneficiaries may have through that trust. So we've seen it used there. Um, the other situation is where the advisor and client may sit down and think the bond's the, the perfect structure but you need to have money to invest in the bond. Oh, there's always a catch, Ryan. You need money. <laughs> so uh, you can't, for example, lift up your house and put it into an investment bond structure to pay out I'm sure to beneficiaries. I'm sure you've been asked to do that before. <laughs> we have. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and, and look, you're typically not going to uh, sell and, and liquidate your home to put it into an investment bond. Um the other scenario, and this is again why advice is so important, um, you might have a parcel of shares or a managed fund, um, things that could be easily sold down and transferred into a bond for an estate planning or wealth transfer objective. Um, you've got to consider though, what are the tax implications of selling such assets? And 
weighing up your your whole situation and saying, okay, is my am I prepared to take tax implications there for my wealth transfer objective? Um, and that's where the role of a financial advisor and even engaging a lawyer along with your your financial advisor to weigh up all your options. The bond may come out as your preferred option, or it may be dealing with those assets through the estate um, and testamentary trusts and, and so on. Um, so really, I guess the key takeaway I'd say there is get advice and get your financial advisor and your estate planning lawyer to work together. Um, they've both got their key areas of expertise um, and then sitting down together and talking about your your overall situation and your objectives from, say, your investment retirement side and then your estate planning side and formulating a plan together, you're generally going to get a better outcome. Yeah, I really love those holistic discussions that we often have with advisors or accountants and clients all together where, where we're all we're bringing together our expertise and they're coming from different angles but in the end, there's a solution for the client and it, and it, it, it might be all from the lawyer, it might be all from the advisor. You know, usually it's elements from, from everyone and that's actually a really, that's that fun problem-solving aspect of estate planning and I think that that's what's so critical. You need to know, though, um, that these options exist because otherwise you might be missing out on something and so I think that it's really important for people when they're listening to think, this could be appropriate for me, but that, that advice you just gave, which is to get advice, it, which mm. runs through every episode, I feel like, of this podcast, <laughs> it, it is really critical because in the end, there can be huge implications of going down any path, writing yeah. a will and, and not having a bond or, or having everything in a bond. I mean, that, you know, it's not sort of a um, all or nothing situation. Usually it's used to complement other things. That, that you have in place and you need that advice to make sure that what you're actually doing is going to suit the circumstances you have and the solutions that you want. You know, that's really the critical thing here. Yeah, yeah. Look, more often than not, we see them used by particularly older Australians um, to just give smaller bequests to grandchildren outside of the estate. So they'll deal with their larger assets and homes and uh, potentially superannuation and shares and that through through their estate and their will and that might go to their children but they want to maybe circumvent the children with a benefit going to the grandchildren so you'd argue you could use a testamentary trust but if they're small amounts you know in some cases it's it's ten thousand dollars to each um each grandchild the investment bond could be the perfect solution there to nominate that grandchild as a death beneficiary and and have it paid um, directly to them down the track. Mm. I think that the, mm. these are all options that people, and so the listeners are probably thinking, oh, this actually could have been good for that situation. And you probably hear that all the time. I wish I'd known about mm. this. And so I guess mm -hmm. what, what are those important things that listeners, I guess, top tips for listeners to think about as they're considering you know, investment bonds as a potential option and, and considering sort of all things to do with um, a challenge and um, and structuring um, in the way that you can talk about them. I'm not asking you to give <laughs> complete legal advice here, Ryan, but what do you want listeners to be left with? Yeah, look, it, I think the key takeaway where a bond can show its value is 
where you're starting to have concerns around challenges to an estate, um, where you think you know, if there's someone within maybe the family unit um, that is going to challenge or someone that you potentially want to um, disinherit even, uh, a bond can start to be a consideration there. Uh, the key though is sit down with your advisor, discuss your objectives, um, engage your estate planning lawyer as well. Look at your overall situation and weigh up everything. So we know the bond can can get assets outside of an estate and pay to beneficiaries, but um, how are you getting those assets in there? What are the tax implications? It's, it, we're harping on about it, but it all comes back to advice, getting advice. Um, but yeah, look, they're the key key thoughts or, or key situations that arise is, is usually challenge to an estate um, or even paying money to a beneficiary where you're concerned about them getting large lump sums of money um, directly uh, upon your death so that the bond can, can start to be an attractive proposition there. But, yep, really, advice. Advice is my key takeaway. <laughs> advice, advice, <laughs> advice. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that, I think that's a really important takeaway from every aspect of estate planning. So advice, advice, advice. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us today. I'm sure the listeners have, uh, as I said, probably furiously taking notes and thinking how they can access more information about okay. these. But we will have information in the show notes. Really appreciate you um, having some time today to chat to our listeners and educate them a little bit on investment bonds. And really, thank you so much. Not a problem at all. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for joining us today, Ryan. I'm sure the listeners have been furiously writing down notes to remember what strategies you talked about. But don't fear, all the details will be in our show notes. As always, if you like the show, please rate, review and subscribe and make sure you tell your friends. Thanks so much for joining us today.